0: Hello and welcome to the A Take with me, Alex, your resident guy with the fro.
1: And me, Adam, your resident, dare I say, journalist. This podcast will bring understanding to what's going on in the world and bring to the table some hot topics for debate while trying to have some fun along the way. So let's get to it. And obviously there's only one place to start that's only one thing that really is current affairsy at the moment. Um, of course the coronavirus pandemic which is going on in the United Kingdom.
0: Um, and globally.
1: And of course, globally. But we're going to focus on, I think, at least in this week's episode, what's going on in the UK, what it means for you, basically. Um, and Alex, I mean, I can, I can throw some stats at you, I can throw some facts at you, but all I want to do is, from the outset, from what you've heard in the media, from what you see every day, from watching press conferences and the like, have, has the government done a good job so far in dealing with this pandemic?
0: I think it's a really difficult question and I'm not sure we will actually properly know that until, you know, 20 years down the line, we see so many news reports and it's so difficult to make understanding as we're trying to do on this. Um, But I was making a joke actually with my family and I think this, this time in history will be in the educational books in about 20 years time. (laughs) And, you know, people will start to learn about this. Has the government done a good job? I think to an extent, yes. However, I definitely think there are some real areas that that should have been improved on, and it's just made it more difficult. Um, And I know it's hard to compare country for country, but actually in the news, and you see it so often, everybody's comparing between the UK and New Zealand and other countries where they've
1: had tiny death rates, and it just makes it harder for us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've now had thirty over thirty-four thousand deaths in this country, which is an, a devastatingly high number. I mean, the death rate is is coming down, but I mean, there was still give or take five hundred daily in the uh, in the last week or so. The new confirmed cases is again, it is coming down, but it's still high. It's really high. how How can this? How can the rate of infection, the the R rate that we hear so much about? If we've been in lockdown, which we have now for seven full weeks, it was the end of March, March 23rd we went into the UK, A long we time, lockdown. a long, yeah, long exactly, time. Yeah, exactly, a really long time ago. How can so many people still be being infected with this? Does that mean people are not following lock, the lockdown instructions or does it mean that they were too light? Or does it mean that it's just being passed on from a care environment all the time?
0: No, I think there's probably two bits here, and I'll see if you agree with me on this, but I think there is the government... And Boris, as much as I am a fan, he, he hasn't been clear enough with people in the UK. And I know people always say that we're not stupid people and we have common sense, which we do. But in these times, there needs to be clear instructions. It's not fair to tell the, the general public that we can go and meet somebody from out of our household in a park, yet you can't see somebody in a garden there is no real difference and that doesn't help what i also think though that hasn't helped with the R number is that there really are some idiots who haven't obeyed social distancing um you know we both saw it when it first came out uh manchester people were having parties yeah, now, I, yeah. I don't think parties would be the first thing i'd look to do when we've got a global pandemic yeah. so i i think we probably not helped ourselves in the foot, but I think if you, if you, if I asked the question to you and I, and you put yourself in, in Boris's shoes, yeah. what, what do you do? Because you've got to try and give people optimism and hope to show yeah. that measures can be reduced,
1: yeah. but
0: you've got to balance the economy, which we're not, yeah. you know, we're not making money mm-hmm. and you've got to balance public health. So where that balance falls, I mean, I'm glad it's not me making the decision and I I'm not sure what you'd do in that situation as
1: well. Yeah, I mean it is virtually an impossible job, isn't it? I mean, he could do he could do one thing and I mean there are probably people who who right now with exactly what he's done wholeheartedly agree with it. But yeah there are going to be people who disagree with every single thing he's said and done. I think whatever decision he he makes or has made throughout this, people would agree and disagree differently with every single part of it, and I think that makes it really difficult for him to actually try and unite everybody at this difficult time.
0: I think what the, but I think we also have to remember is he hasn't done a bad job because there are world and country, uh, country leaders, um, you know, in the likes of Brazil who have said that they think it's just a bit like a, a strong flu. And I'm not sure yeah. COVID is particularly at that level. And you've got the USA again with Mr. Trump, um, who I don't think has is, is got a great handle on it. So as much as we've had difficulties, I don't think we've had. We could be in a worse situation.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, I, I, there was a video going around over the over the weekend of um, of the leader in Belgium driving into a hospital, and the nurses who are outside all turned their backs as he drove past because they disagree with what he's saying. Because I think he's He's, um, he's bringing nurses and, and medical staff in from other countries. And I think the people who are working on the front line in Belgium are obviously doing such a fantastic job. Everybody who works on the front line is doing such a fantastic job and trying their best. I think they were a bit disheartened, really, that he's bringing more... Sorry, that she's bringing more people in. Yes. Yeah, it's an yeah. impossible job. I, 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 one thing that I
0: do think is really accountable in this situation, which hasn't really been spoken about, is the media. And mm-hmm. actually... All you ever see and it gets so boring and depressing (laughs) is you turn on and it's the BBC news and they talk about the death rate constantly, constantly, constantly. Mm -hmm. And as much as you need to know these facts, there is Mm -hmm. nothing being said about mental health and and how this impacts everybody. Because, you know, where's, shall I say, Colonel Tom Moore gone all of a sudden? Yes. He disappeared because he's achieved what he was meant to do there is very little discussion around what positivity what hope is has been has been happening nobody's really shouting the fact that the the environmental impact is improving we're Mm -hmm. all just so negative and i think that would have a lot of impact if if we try to change the table of what's reported rather
1: than Mm -hmm. the same messages yeah no i agree with that entirely um <clears throat> you said earlier that, we, that perhaps we, we won't know for perhaps, you know, 20 years if if the government's done, done well or not. And I think that's a totally fair comment to make. I don't think it could be, personally, I don't think it, it, it could be 20 years, but you know, it, it's going to be a long time. It could tend to be even longer. But, but when you look back over the last, well, so far in 2020, for example, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, missed five Cobra meetings, the first of which was on January 24th. And on that day, he hosted a Chinese New Year event. He's um, wow. this the sort of person, exactly, <laughs> it's the sort of thing that, that perhaps you, you're not aware of. But is he going to be almost solely responsible for how bad this has got because of how he presented himself almost? He missed five COVID meetings before he attended his first on March the 2nd. Yet yeah, on March the 7th, five days after that, the first one he attended after missing five, he was part of an eighty-two thousand crowd at a Six Nations rugby match, and then in the following week, he allowed three thousand Atletico Madrid fans. Where Spain, of course, were t- were doing uh, their their peak. Obviously, came came before hours. Yeah. Three thousand of their fans were allowed to travel to Liverpool for Champions League game, and in that week, a quarter of a million people attended the Cheltenham Festival. So, I mean, Boris Johnson has missed. I, I keep saying it, it's such It is such a big number. Missed five Cobra meetings. He then finally attended one on March the 2nd, but for two weeks after that, he allowed a mass gatherings, huge, huge, huge attendance of the people to still come together. Does, will this responsibility in this year's time, 20 years time, whatever it is, when we can reflect and look back, how much of this blame for these reasons should fall directly on Boris Johnson's shoulders?
0: Yeah, and, I, you know, I, I'm not a massive believer that it all should go onto his shoulders because and that might be against popular opinion, but I don't think you can put it all on one person. Okay, he's he's definitely, you know, I didn't realise he'd missed that many Cobra meetings, but mm. he has to um, deputise. And yeah. in my opinion, if his cabinet is not as capable of being able to support him, and make decisions and be involved in that process, then he's chosen the wrong people to be in there. And I actually think you know when he, he, he who's taken ill, um, Dominic Raab and uh, the other members of the cabinet stepped up, and, and I think that that was fantastic. I think one thing that you have to commend Boris for is that he has based all of these decisions on science, and when but, yeah. the science has told them that, so you know. I personally could say that I think we should have locked down and we should have stayed locked down for a lot longer. But if the science is saying that we're able to start, you know, reopening things, then you know, fair play. You've got to start doing that things for the economy, for other for the aspects. It's just very difficult of balancing, you know, everything else within within the nation. Um yeah. so yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, hopefully people who who are listening will all have their own opinions With no we all do nobody's opinion is right and nobody's opinion is wrong and that's kind of the brilliant thing about about politics really is that you could probably have everybody in the country i don't think you'd find two people who exactly agree with every single thing there is to agree on politically we're, but hopefully we're sort of giving you an, a different opinion or something else you know, to go out a bit with this but i mean i do entirely get what get what you're saying i mean as people in my opinion, who have, who have led various different press conferences, uh, the Education Secretary, the Transport Secretary, who I think present themselves really well, then you go on Twitter afterwards and you see that they're trending with 20,000 tweets and a lot of them are saying, oh, not too confident about this person, not too confident about that person. I mean, if you were in government, and I'm very grateful that I'm not at a time <laughs> like this because you'd be heavily scrutinised for every single decision, and sometimes rightly and sometimes wrongly, in my opinion. How would how, how you deal with this if you were one of them people that was in government and on the cabinet? How would, you, how would you deal with trying to bring together everybody when so many people have such a differing opinion across all parts of the spectrum?
0: I'm not sure how you deal with it. Um, there are a lot of th- balls you've got to keep up in the air, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and this is where they earn their money. I don't think they're getting yeah. paid enough, actually. Um, for, for what they're dealing with,
1: kind um, controversial. I think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a really difficult uh, position to be in because you have to try and give transparency to the people. Yeah. But if you give too much transparency, perhaps um, it could cause mass outrage, and you know it could be, cause mass panic, and you have to try and give responsibilities the right people you know it, it frustrates me a little bit when you watch the the media briefings and they never answer the question <laughs> properly yeah. it's yeah. a typical politician they never answer mm-hmm. the question um i mean in all fairness Laura Koonsberg annoys me a little bit because she has asked some ridiculous questions because i remember one where she asked about uh, when will the lockdown end well they they don't know that do they so yeah, you've wasted exactly. your question it doesn't yeah.
1: make sense to ask that question um yeah. But I, 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 I mean, there are others as well who, who do similar sort of things. I mean, yeah. there's been quite there's been quite a few people I think who have asked, have asked questions about lockdown. I said, when's it going to end? When's it going to end? When's it going to end? Virtually every day in a different form, and then lockdown began to, to ease, and suddenly they ask, oh, well, is, is it too soon?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they they just talk the same all of the time, and it they could ask some really really valuable questions. Um, and they haven't done that, so I think that doesn't really help. And I think it also puts the, the government in a difficult position because they they're being asked questions, and the media is the big outlet for where everybody learns and find out about what's going on. But they yeah. don't actually ask the questions that everybody's thinking about. Yeah, yeah. They just keep trying to yeah. bombard them and put them into a corner, and put it the blame on them. And that's what I'm cautious in in you know concerned a bit about is that after this the media could put all of this blame on Boris and the Tories Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because that's the angle they want to go to and it's big news but actually they've done the best that they could do
1: yeah uh, yeah I mean I totally agree with that I mean I mean I mean on on that point I mean the, the, the the lockdown began um to be to be eased um well Boris Johnson gave his address to the nation on on the 10th of May which was uh Last Sunday, or a couple of Sundays back now, um, and that caused a lot of confusion. Uh, Definitely, it, I mean, I, I mean, I think it caused confusion in some capacity to, to everybody. Yeah. Uh, in my in my own opinion, I then deliberately watched virtually all of Parliament on the following Monday. I watched his press conference in full on the Monday night. And I think a lot, a lot was then cleared up. I certainly don't think that everything was cleared up. Do you think the fact that this was confusing was just a bit of? um a bit of being slightly inept perhaps across across government not quite knowing exactly what to do in certain situations do you think that actually the the media perhaps as, as a whole kind of forced them into saying something when they weren't quite ready to say something
0: i don't think the media helps but i think the for me the big part of this is the whole um the whole you know uh, speech that he made it just doesn't fit well that he's not aligned to the wales scotland and northern ireland yeah that shoots everything and i was actually quite annoyed when when there wasn't that you know they changed the messaging from stay at home to stay alert mm-hmm. i'm not a massive fan of that because no. i think it gives too much leeway like we said before, there are people who say they know what they're doing, but everybody, everybody interprets what stay alert means differently.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. And I mean, that brought, hasn't helped. Brought, yeah, no, I agree. They brought I mean, obviously, now in the, in the press conferences, which some people don't watch, some people will have watched Boris Johnson on, on that Sunday and then not watched anything else since because they don't see it as being important enough, and everyone's entirely entitled you know, to do that. But they start saying "stay alert." Stay alert means washing your hands, and staying alert means wearing a mask in a in a confined space if you can't socially distance. Exactly, That'd be socially distance. That's I mean, that's not how I interpret the word alert. No, I don't know about you.
0: Uh, I agree, and I, I also think it's really difficult. I was um, talking to one of my friends this week, and he he actually found out there's a there's a um, a street that borders on the English and Wales border. Yes. Half of the street is in (laughs) Wales, half of the street is in England. So you're telling me that people in one half have to stay at home and can only make essential trips, and the other half are allowed to go and meet their friends in a public space, as long as they're two metres apart. Now, there is no difference (laughs) on that street. The difference is politics. Exactly. Exactly and yeah. and that's that's the problem and that's where i think there's a big problem that actually people will start you know rebelling because like if you're on the welsh street yeah and you see all your english neighbors being able to <laughs> go out for as many walks as they want a day yeah. if, be two, if, if they can't go down two, the street they're going all the streets <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um, you're going to get frustrated aren't you and it's going to yeah. start spiking and i i think that's not being aligned Ray didn't help him i think he should have stayed in lockdown for three more weeks announced the plan but actually Mm. said we're thinking about this plan over the next three weeks we're going to work on some of the finer details and reach out to industry experts and then in june we'll start to release
1: yeah i mean a lot of the reason perhaps why he didn't do that might might be the other reason that caused a lot of confusion which was a whole Back to work messages and guidelines. Oh, um, I mean, there's been lots of funny videos circulating saying "stay at home" but don't stay at home, "go to work" but don't go to work, and them sorts of things. And they're all, you know, they're all, they're all quite, quite amusing. Um, but I mean, I've, I've, I've got the government guidelines in front of me on, on back to work. And there's one thing particularly that really I don't understand. So I mean, there's six bullet points here: back to work guidelines. Apart those in essential retail such as then the supermarket, construction, uh, manufacturing, research, uh, tradesmen facilitating trade or transport but the bottom bullet point says and so on and so on and so on i mean that's where that's exactly where confusion is going to come from because if someone doesn't know if they're in that bullet point how can they know what to do and i get that the prime minister said um that doesn't mean he doesn't mean that you should go back to work definitely he means you should ring up your employer which wasn't made clear straight away but you should ring up your employer see if you can go to work is it safe to do so but that, that's putting a lot of faith into employers who need money to, to survive in business, to keep their businesses yeah. afloat. Yeah. And you're relying on them to not put that first and to make sure that everybody can remain socially distant, remain two metres apart, remain fully safe with no risk at all. That doesn't seem right to me. I don't know about you.
0: No, I, I agree with that. And actually, you know, I remember seeing the picture of the tube back running on that Monday morning and rammed, yeah. rammed carriages. Yeah. Well, I'm not being free. That does not, you know, give a good message for social distancing, no. does it? And it's just going to fly back in Boris Johnson's face on this because it's like you said, too vague. It's given too many people, too leeways. And, what we actually need as a country is clear clarity, and I think that's why other countries like New Zealand have done really well. Yeah. They were really hard with their lockdown. Okay, people don't like it. No, I'm not being funny. In the UK, people get told you've got to stay indoors for a week, nobody's gonna like it. But if yeah, you then exactly. tell them after this week you're going to be able to go out a bit more, I think we'll all get on with it because yeah. what's going to happen a bigger spike and then all of a sudden we're just going to get bombarded and overrun with it again and then we're in another awful position.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so many different opinions that you can take. There's so many different sides to look at it from. Hopefully we've offered you a different one. But I mean, we'll, we'll sort of wrap this this sort of section up by saying that people currently in hospital, in England, um, yeah, people in hospital with, with COVID is is down by around 15% um, based on week by week. Hospital emissions in England down from between twenty and twenty-five percent. So it is positive signs. Isn't, positive isn't signs, exactly that. And it'll be interesting to see what happens in in two weeks' time to see if these numbers actually do increase with what is with the easing of the lockdown. Uh, Alex, we did say at the start that we were going to try and have, have have a bit of fun. Obviously, it's such a such a sort of hard topic. So we thought we'd try and liven it up. This is a little feature we're calling Alex's Choice, where basically Alex you talk about whatever you want to talk about. And I've got no idea, and more importantly, I've got no idea what it's going to be. So this will be interesting, Alex.
0: I know, so thank you. Um, I've actually keep this this one slightly loosely linked to what's happening in, in the world. Um, and just to give a bit of background, I mean, I, I've never been a huge fan of uh, Greta Thunberg because I uh-huh. do think she gets quite animated. Um, I don't think... She necessarily presents herself in the best way, certain advice. She right. could do it a little bit better. However, I do have to say, I think that, like we've mentioned, the environmental impact is huge at the moment. Yeah. And something that I do want to call out is cycle lanes. Right. <laughs> cycle lanes. Very, very important topic that yes. we need to fully start getting behind. As okay. you know, you know the ozone layer is healing itself. Uh, pollution is down there's less cars less traffic i remember i went for a run and i literally saw one car In it's Uh fantastic and london has announced that they were trying to be the largest car free zone in europe so i mean go on boris fantastic work um extinction rebellion have even created their own cycle lanes in cambridge they've put it on the road (laughs) they've just they've been going for it Cycle lanes are popping up all in the cities. Liverpool said they're putting £2 million into cycle lanes going forward. Um, but there is still a little bit of heated debate around whether or not these are a good thing or a bad thing because some industries, it's no surprise, the likes of the haulage firms and taxis and all of that are massively yeah. against cycle lanes because yeah. it possibly takes away their business and makes their journeys longer. But... Yeah. I think we need to get behind this because I think if we don't, Miss Greta Thunberg will soon be back on our doors there <laughs> saying to us that we've saved some of the planet in actually reducing our carbon footprint through this awful period of pandemic, but we're just gonna throw it all away again. And I think yeah. this is an optimum time where we can actually start, you know, investing in, you know, green transport and get people a bit fitter. There's an obesity problem in the UK. Start getting schemes up for cycling. Get people where they feel safe, be able to commute to their workplace and exercise. It can win-win. It's a win-win.
1: Yeah, I mean, I find it difficult to disagree with any of that because you raised some good points. Um, I, I'm, I can't remember who the Transport Secretary is now. I, I forget, Robert Jenrick, I think it is. I think yeah. he announced um, a couple of weeks ago that... That the cycle scheme going to, um, cycle path to walking in scheme is going to have, I think it's two, £2 billion pounds, I think, put into it. Um, and he said that I think that doctors are now going to be able to prescribe that might be the, that might be the right word, but put, but prescribe, <laughs> prescribe <cycles>. the bike. <laughs> yeah, that might be the right word there, but, um, <laughs> but give bikes out to people who come in and with coming to doctors and GP so did with obesity problems. It's definitely, I mean, it has to be the way forward. We can't live as we are forever. The electric car is always a viable possibility but still just doesn't quite seem to be where it needs to be um i mean per- personally from my own perspective um, driving is one of the things that i've missed the most is it there. now as ha- yes. are you
0: going to be getting on your bicycle every day from now on
1: well, I'll tell you a very good reason as to why I answered that is no, and that is that I cannot ride a bike.
0: <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> but I guess it's something you didn't know about. No, me, we're finding or out. Or you, what you wouldn't doing. have asked. Um, n- no, I've, I've, it's just, it's just. There's two things that I've never been able to do. I can't. Well, I, I sort of can't swim. I got, I did get my five meter bike, but we'll skip over that. Can't, I can't swim, and 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 I, 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 for the want of trying, I, I, I can't ride a bike. By the last time. That's something I did. I mean, I I managed to a bit, but I kept, I had to keep stopping every sort of hundred yards. And if I had to cycle a couple of miles, you no, know, to wherever my workplace would be, I would, I would really struggle with that. So we'll get
0: you some stabilizers. It's fine. We'll put it on, the <laughs> side, on each, each bike.
1: <laughs> so um, that's why it's quite difficult to disagree with what you're saying. However,
0: <laughs> personally,
1: <laughs> perhaps that wouldn't be. I think you, you do. You, you raise me. a
0: good point that not everybody's going to be all for it. But I just think that actually, in the midst of what's actually been discussed in the main news, cycle lanes and the importance, maybe it's the wider topic, of how do we try and change something to be a better impact? That actually, once this is all over, people are being more cautious about you know, recycling, cycle, yeah. cycling, the environmental impact of everything that we do, and this is an optimum time for us to maybe start thinking how do we get even legislation through politics and the, the government sector yeah. So we can start making the, the, those changes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think the uh, the, the stats that we see in the uh, press conferences, um, I think it's something like forty four percent of people uh, were, were working from home in the last fourteen days or something like that. I mean, that's 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 a lot of people. I mean, if those if those people can can work from home successfully, hopefully that sort of the thing that will be implemented. Yeah. Once I mean, all this is I've been working at
0: home since this, this, this kicked off and I mean, I've loved it. It's, it's great. You, you have so much time back in your day to cycle, run, cook, do all of those bits that people miss out. And I really do hope that employers start taking a different stance on flexible working because the benefits for people's health
1: is phenomenal. Yeah, totally agree. Um, Okay. So we've got about five minutes left on this episode one of the A take and... Little section at the end we're going to call Final Five. It's Final Five Minutes, Final Five. Uh, and this is in my hands this week. And this is what I want to talk about. Based on something in the news, and then we'll throw it forward a bit, it'll all become clear. So I want to talk about uh, sports and football, really. Something that I'm highly passionate about, and I've missed more than anything else, I would say. But uh, Saturday and Sunday saw the return of the Bundesliga, Germans' top flight uh, football league. Finally, Absolutely. some live professional sports and professional football after eight or so weeks fantastic to watch it i've become a supportive clone the addiction has been healed.
0: Addiction's been healed the addiction has been
1: healed exactly that but i mean i know i know alex that you're also uh, a big a big sport person a sport yeah. part of your life uh, how exactly have you been filling the void that's been left you know what
0: i had to start getting into shape i was in awful shape I mean I'm very fortunate that my job allows well actually no no I say it's my job my entire passion is eating drinking and partying (laughs) and let's be honest that does nothing for the waistline it really (laughs) impacted. meals out in London has not helped so when this came about I'd always been an active I just decided to myself I just need to start getting back into shape Mm -hmm. so probably three four times a week i've been running cycling trying to eat healthier um do home workouts i've done the joe wicks fitness thing in the morning (laughs) with my parents it's been a family affair so i've been doing quite a lot however i do realize that it's very difficult to try and stay motivated because some days you just think oh i really can't be bothered
1: yeah well to kind of that's that actually perfectly that's what i want to say have you actually thought about making up some sort of Sport games, some sort of fitness game that you can do from home?
0: That is a really good thing. I mean, I've seen a lot of things like on um, YouTube and that where uh, sports people have like made mini Olympics and mini challenges. I'm quite, I'm quite wanting to do like a bowling thing through our dining room. However, I'm not sure my parents <laughs> will be happy if anything gets broken. Um, and there's always the classic badminton over the washing line that we could always try so i mean it's definitely possible i've just never really done it actually
1: well i i you see i have invented a little sports game no. to play in the house i am i am I, and also i must say that we are doing this podcast socially distanced we're in our own homes we probably should have said that at the it's start, not uh, not right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but i i mean i haven't left my house now for weeks even, even direct side i just think if i can stay at home i will i will stay at home but obviously you know you can't just sit around do nothing all day so i've I read a little game. I'm going to tell you what it's called. It's called Table Tennis Newspaper with Sofa as the Netball. It's the title of this game. That's quite so a long title. It just... is, yeah. But I just, I've, I've used that because then it says netball, the so it sounds like a proper sport. Little point. It doesn't really work. Um, so is netball
0: really a sport?
1: <laughs> well, let's, let's not get there. Um, so basically, it's one versus one, like tennis. You each have a table tennis paddle, I believe they're called, or, yep. or a bat if you prefer. You have, I've got a ball, scrunched up newspaper, tapes together, that's, that's your ball. And the sofa, which happily fuzzes in the middle of the living room, acts as the net. And all you've got to do is, just like tennis, you've got to get it over the net and back. And if it hits any, anything on the sides, if it hits any chairs, any furniture, any cupboards or drawers, it's out. And it's first 21, switch signs at 10. Brilliant game.
0: So where does the netball come into this?
1: No, that's just the fact that it isn't, it isn't based on netball. It's just the fact that then I could call it table tennis, newspaper with sofa as the netball. Oh, so I
0: see. That's the that That's that was wasted on you there. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, so, so, Alex, I would like you next week to be able to tell us a sport that you've invented that you could play from home.
0: Oh, I'm going to do, definitely do that. And I'm definitely going to give your little table tennis with netball <laughs> A, uh, a go I think it will get highly competitive in my family and things will probably get broken <laughs> so thank you and well that just about wraps up the first episode of the A&A take and we will see you then thank you very much